0: Lord be with you, everyone. And I want to go back to where we were last week and to look at it again. Um, it could overlap a little bit, but there was something that I wanted to say last week that we never got to. And so, remember, it, it begins back there where The Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. And he says there, as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then he speaks of, as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven does not return there, but waters the earth, makes it bring forth and bud that it may Give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Okay, that, that's where we were last week. And I, I want to come at it um, to actually hear how how we interact with that. that That is not just a nice verse that sort of makes us feel warm and evangelically fuzzy. It is a verse that is at the very heart of how we listen to the Lord speak to us and how that changes our lives and i say at the most basic 101 level you see there are many who believe in god revealed in jesus but there is no present reality of that jesus no no sense of the holy spirit actually communicating his heart to us now nor is his perspective seen in their lives. Uh, It's simply something that they believe, as our Westerners think of believing, that that sort of thing on the shelf that you can pull off when you need it, or go off to that place on Sunday where you talk about that thing that you believe. But the, the idea of having a continual relationship with Him in which we actually know His living Word coming like rain into us and soaking our inner self so that a whole new life might bud and come forth. That's, that's not understood by a number of people. Yet it is basic to the entire Bible. It is, um, made me very sad when I have in times past lectured in universities or theological colleges and, and always emphasised this, that I'm not just giving you doctrine. I'm not just putting out theology. We, we've got to hear his voice in the heart of it. And, and to see the look of bemused almost a sneer on some faces and others who look at their watch as well to say well we've got what we came for now let's get out of here there was there was a sense that they didn't understand even what i was talking about that one could have a now conversation could have a now communication that the Holy Spirit could actually bring into us, like a gentle shower of rain, His Word. Look, I want to illustrate. The, The verse I've just read is the one we're talking about. But I want to throw out to you some verses that would constitute words of promise, words that are basic, that come to us from His heart to be received. And and I want to illustrate what I'm saying by referring to these. Look, um, Let let me put, put it like this. When you stop to think about it, there are so many promises or statements of promise that really, if we think about it, they're they 're ridiculously impossible to even comprehend, as i 've discovered in the theological seminaries um, we 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 cannot grasp it in the usual way of listening. Underline that we cannot grasp these promises we cannot grasp what God is saying using our left brain ability to grasp and order and tabulate and put in files and say i've got it doesn't work here doesn't work that's not the way god speaks so let, let me throw these out just as illustrative uh, passages like john 14:20 where jesus said in that day you shall know that i am in the father that i am in you and you are in me ha <laughs> Really, I, I don't wonder that I don't I it's been a long time if ever that I've heard a sermon on that. Um what what does it mean? My my left brain where I figure things out goes nuts. It can't I I don't know what that's talking about and so we, we tabulate it in some theological formula and put it on the side whatever that means. Um but, but it fits in to the the phrase that governs the new testament which is in christ and christ in you that that John 14:20 i say again was Jesus word that governs the rest of the new testament that you are in christ let me ask you can you think that seriously i i, I wish at this point i could see your eyes and if your head is moving, can you think can, can you conceive that you are in Christ, or can you even conceive that Christ is in you in a way that you can live twenty four seven with because that's what the entire New Testament is about, and if you read it, you'll find it seems every other sentence it says in Christ, in Christ, Christ in you. Um, or John fifteen, I, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Do you? Do you? Can you think of yourself as a branch? Come on. Um, unless I'm the oddball, these verses defy understanding, a- and we can get a theological migraine trying to understand in a way that we can think about it and uh, talk about it in some scientific way that we can now say we've got it and that's it. It doesn't, no. Can, can Can you think about, let's say, Romans 6, where it says that we were crucified with Christ and buried with him, and that we have been resurrected with Christ and then over to Ephesians where it says, we're ascended with him and now seat in heavenly places. Can you think about that to the point where you now plunge into life and that governs everything you say and do? You, you can't stretch your brain that far. It doesn't go. But apparently was so with those who wrote the New Testament. Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ, and he said it as casually as I could say I'm sitting in this chair. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it is not I who It's Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Can you think about that? In in the same way that Paul is speaking, may may be the one, and I'll quit this illustration area uh, right here. In John seventeen twenty two, this one, we we would say it blows your mind. Well, it blows the left hand side of your brain. You try putting this there. Jesus said, Jesus said this speaking specifically of us, which is interesting, because he said he was praying for those who would believe on the words of the apostles. So that's us. And he says, the glory, and he's speaking to the Father, which thou hast given me, i have given to them i know that people can't think that they can't they don't get it because you're forever here that that we 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 don't take the glory you know it's it's yes i know i did it but all glory goes to god it's not me it's him Um, and there's that whining, hanged head look about it, where Jesus said he has given to us his glory, that they may be one just as we, the Holy Trinity, are one. And then, of course, he says it again, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfected or made complete and mature in unity. That, come on, do you realize you can't think that? Can you think that you are in Christ Jesus who is in the Father and that therefore you are made perfect, made mature in being at home inside of God? can't think about that you can't get a degree on that you can't cram that for homework no um then he goes on and this is uh, and he says that the world may know that thou father did send me and didst love them that's us guys You did love them even as you loved me. Can can you... You just can't read that and say, well, now let's sing, you know, hymn number 500. Um, And he repeats it down at the bottom of the chapter. He says that the love wherewith you loved me may be in them... And I in them. I mean, this is getting to my left brain very complicated because the love that God revealed to Jesus uh, when he says, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, he said that love is now in us. He loves us in the same way. And at the same time, Jesus is in us. Okay, do, do you get what I'm saying? I'm using those texts merely to illustrate. If, if I plunge into the Scripture, uh, if, if I try just to think about it like reading a scientific textbook or any textbook come to that, I, I've missed it. There's something else going on here which is beyond my ability to think it through. Okay, then, then what are we looking at? Well, back to Isaiah 55. It begins with him saying my thoughts. And he keeps on repeating that. His thoughts versus our thoughts. What are thoughts? Thoughts, well, they are inner words, aren't they? It's, it's almost like a conversation going on inside of you and that conversation um can also go into making plans which produce images of what we plan to do even if it's going to the store we have that moment when we sort of see ourselves doing it we have we have thoughts and so he is saying my thoughts that is the Inner words of God. And we know that God is the three in one the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And therefore, the inner thoughts of God is what the Father says to the Son, what the Son says to the Father and to the Spirit, and what the Spirit says to the Father and Son. It's, yes, that's what we Christians believe that there are three real persons who are utterly one God. And the thoughts of God are the inner conversation within the Holy Trinity and the images within the Holy Trinity of His unchangeable plans of what He shall do. Now, I I fall short of those thoughts. I cannot. I I, I cannot think how the Father loves the Son. I, I cannot reach to these thoughts of unconditional, relentless love of God. When He, the Father, thinks of you, and when the Son thinks of you, and there is this conversation then you are the object of the unconditional, relentless love of God that would actually, that has actually joined with us, the human creature, and elevates us to join that conversation. His thoughts, that's what he thought since eternity. That's why he created. God knows himself. Jesus said, no one knows the Father except him, the Son, and no one knows him, the Son, except the Father. The knowledge of who God is, which again we're back to that love, that love which is the origin of love, which is that gushing forth of love, Outside of him there is no love. And God the Father is the only one who knows the depth of that love in his Son. And the Son is the only one who knows the depth of that love in the Father. And the Holy Spirit, says 1 Corinthians 2, fully knows the heart of the Father and the Son. Huh. And, and, and he knows us. And he knows us as we don't know ourselves. We are absolute dumb idiots when it comes to who we really are. We believe every lie that our ancestors passed down the pike. And we believe all of the inserts of the accuser and the adversary and the separator, Satan, the devil, that puts thoughts into our head. And so we look at ourselves as worthless, no good, cringing before our own image of ourselves, most of our time in conversation of self-hate. And, but he knows us. He knows us as we don't have a clue about ourselves. And he looks at us and he says, and he reveals this. You probably know it in Jeremiah twenty nine ten. He says, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you, to bring you back. For I know, and in some of your Bibles it says, I know the plans that I have for you. But you could put in there thoughts, for that's, that's the word that we're looking at. For I know the thoughts that I have for you. Let that sing I see you see, God says I know the thoughts I've had for you. I have weighed them, I've considered them, I've held you in my hand, and I've looked at you and I know the thoughts I have for you. He says they are thoughts for and the word is shalom, thoughts of incredible God peace filling your life. It is not for calamity. It's rather to give you a future, to give you a hope. These are my thoughts concerning you. Well what about Psalm one hundred and thirty nine seventeen? David said how precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God, how vast the sum of them? If I should count them they would outnumber the sand. Huh. Do you realize the thoughts of God? It's not just one or two. It's like a Mississippi river flowing down towards you. The thoughts of God's love, the thoughts of love's intention for you. Oh, what about Psalm and forty-four, three? Oh Lord, what is man? The the. the the psalmist is, is looking at himself, and, and those around he is what is man, that you take knowledge of him? That, that is, I mean, we are minuscule specks in the universe, and yet, as I, I'm, I'm a speck smaller than a moat that passes through sunshine... What, what, what's the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a, a mere breath. Just, his days are like a passing shadow. I want you to get into that and realize the, the enormity of what I'm saying. The thoughts of God... The multitude of those thoughts that cover every multitudinous moment of your life. And they are pro you. They have plans for you. They, they, They give you shalom, a future and a hope. And the psalmist is saying, I don't get this. I'm so small. I'm so insignificant. I pass through this life like a breath. Psalm eight and four says, What is man that you take thought of him? Take thought of him. What what is man that you sit down and say there's, there's my boy Malcolm, you see? There's Josephine over there. And and, and take thought. And don't blink at me like that. Jesus said, even the hairs of your head are numbered. You are intimately known of him. Okay. And all those thoughts that we have in our head, they come to focus in a word. Somewhere inside of you, we we sum it up, and, and it's a word inside of you that says, this I will do. That's why you're watching this here tonight, because you you determined, you thought, many thoughts, and then you said, I will do it, and there you you went ahead, and when you turned on your computer, that was the belated announcement of a word that you spoke inside of you. And so God's thoughts become his word, and his word filled with promise, filled with statements of what he shall do in you and for you, and with you. Okay, hey, he started this, right? We were here thinking our thoughts, that's what it says here. We had our thoughts and out of our thoughts we planned our ways and he interrupts that. Read this through a hundred times and you'll get what I'm saying. God interrupted it and says, just a minute, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. So he started this. This whole, where, where do these words, transforming words, come from? He says they come like rain from heaven, that is, from above into you where you are. So that means that the words, along with all his thoughts toward you, they are 100% gift. This is so important. Um, uh, One can say it very quickly, but this is so basic. All the thoughts that the Father have toward you that came to us in the Word, Jesus, that are now being presented within you by the Holy Spirit, that is 100% gift. The gift of God-love. That's what grace is. Grace is the Holy Spirit in giving and giving and pressing the gift upon you, flowing into us at every moment. A gift. Well, of course, if there was anything to pay for this, there'd be other words used. But gift, I mean, really, it's a universal If if it's a gift, you don't pay for it. You don't even think of paying for it. The the idea of, of getting a bill that's going to describe what you now stand owing the giver, no, of course not. It's a gift. And a gift cancels out every word of earning, rewarded, all that is gone. Or to put it this way, he owns his gift. Think about that. He owns his gift. That is, he doesn't give with a because. You know, I, I'm giving this because you are such a righteous person. I noted that you read the Bible through three times last year, so therefore I'm giving you this gift. No. No no that would mean you own his gift and if you can lay down what you've done then he is now uh, to, to give to you no, that you own the gift no he owns his gift he will give his gift without reference to whether we deserve it have earned it or any of the other words that belong there it's a gift It doesn't depend on your worthiness to receive, rather it is motivated in the exceeding desire of him to give to us. And so every promise, you remember I said last week, I I don't know how many promises there are, and... Uh, for the simple reason many don't sound like promises to start with they they they're simply stating something but then when you realize what he just said is for me then it becomes a promise uh, the whole outline of the gospel in its almighty love power it's a gift come on <laughs> I know there are some that would have said uh, five minutes ago, of course it's a gift, but now let it sink in. You cannot do anything to deserve any word of God that comes. Jesus, who is the word, who is the key to all the words, he is the gift. He is the gift. He is the gift. Lavish giving is the word in the epistles. He gives. And and that, that cancels out all my little thoughts of doing this or doing that and all that nonsense stuff people said there at the front of the church on Sunday night you know I promise you God if you will do this then I will do this I promise you I'll do this and you you make some outrageous nonsensical thing that you're going to do and believe that you've somehow earned his favor When you were doing all the things that you thought were so wrong, you were the apple of his eye. He was pursuing you as one that was precious. You can't earn his favor. He owns his favor. He owns his love. He owns his gifts. Every good thing, says James 1, every, every good thing bestowed, every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of Lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That is, He's the Giver, and He's never oscillating. It's never well. I wonder. Yes, no. I don't know how they were doing. No, He says, no shadow of turning. This is, this is our gift. All His promises they come to us in Jesus. The Son of God, says 2 Corinthians 1. Son of God, Christ Jesus, was not yes and no. You know, you come to the Scripture and to hear some people, they've never got this. It's not yes and no. That is, I don't come to Scripture and say, well, I wonder if he'll do it today. You see, I I know he did it yesterday. Maybe it's no today, right? Better stick in there if it be your will. If you're on a no thing today. No, says the Scripture, the Son of God, Christ Jesus, He's not yes and no, but is yes in Him. As many as may be the promises of God, in Him they are yes! Why? Because it's a gift, and therefore nothing can affect that. It comes out of His heart. We, we say amen to the glory of God. Thank you, that's the way it is. Jesus is that rain from heaven... And he comes into us and saturates our dry, empty hearts. And he sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is within those two words that we looked at last week that he accomplishes. He does it. He takes his word and he fashions it into the physical, mental, emotional life that is us. He succeeds in that. He achieves his end. It's not a maybe. It's not a perhaps. It's not one of these days. What he has said to us in Jesus reflected in the promises and speakings of the scripture. The Holy Spirit accomplishes that because that's what the Father desires he succeeds in it, and he succeeds in what the verse says that is he said he succeeds for in the in the matter for which it was sent that is re-read the matter, listen to Jesus saying, "This is what we intend to do it's there written." imprinted on your heart by the Spirit, well, that's exactly what he's going to do, succeed in the matter for which it was sent to you. And it was sent. You didn't just happen on that. The Holy Spirit invisibly and quietly, unobtrusively led you to that. And and the Holy Spirit is the teacher. And he is going to bring us to actually live this. He's going to plunge us into that word and bring it to pass in our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. So, what can I say? Um, the, The Holy Spirit is the source of our seeing and the joy that comes from our seeing and the 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 source of the thanks to god when we realize this is now given to me present now so he's he, the holy spirit and jesus said that in what john 16 he says it in first uh, corinthians 2 uh, the holy spirit is the one he's the one He opens our inside eyes. He opens our inside ears and he speaks the very heart and mind of the Father and Son into us. He teaches us this new way of life. You see, rain produces a new landscape, a bursting life. Here in South Texas, we've had enough rain for two years. Uh, And and looking out into our backyard, looking across the ranch, it's it's almost a new landscape uh, of trees laden with with leaves, bright bursting color leaves, uh, grass that seems to leap out of the ground at two inches a minute, Um, everywhere you turn and the creeks are filled uh, and, well, You know what I mean. Rain produces a whole new landscape of bursting life. So, he says, it rains into our innermost being. And as it rains into our being, the Word comes forth and produces a new landscape. Now, think about this. God knowing of reality reality, the real thing, not the flimsy lies of Satan. God knowing of reality is different to ours. I want you to listen so carefully here. We live in the time-space dimension. You know what I mean. Everything's tick-tock, everything's space, and and that means there's a timeline, and so there's a was, is past, and there's a will-be in its future, and life is passing very quickly from past into present to future. The trouble is that we tend to reside in the past almost exclusively. Very, 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 very few people know what this moment is. We, we reside in the past, and our conversation betrays where our head is at. We talk about what was, or do we ever talk about what was? We can remember the details of what was, especially if it was not a nice situation. We, we love to go back and all that was, and then we, we, we see how everything that was now defines our life in the most negative way. And we look at the way things are and say immediately, it's not like it used to be. And again, we plunge into endless dialogue on what it used to be. Everything is in the past tense of what was said, was was said, um, was done. And then we skip immediately to the future and say that everything that could be and should be and might be but it's an elusive future of a possible that might or might not happen and probably won't but and and all our anx- all our anxiety is trying to actually control and live in that future and not make too good a job of it, and we call that anxiety and, and so i 'm caught on this timeline and When I come into the scripture, and you see you don 't realize this and because of of what i 've just said we 're always past, and we 're always future, well, not always, but we pass through this moment so quickly. But when I come to scripture, the tenses <laughs> They're weird sometimes because He, our Father in Christ through the Spirit, speaks in the eternal now. It is so. And I don't know what to do with is. So, is, is. I, I want to say, well, what, what was it? And, and because of what was, is it. Uh, and, and it will be is when I get something together here uh, and all he says is in fact his name that we've spoken of before I am that I am and uh, as James said to me yeah you I, I believe you're right James I am I really am who I am but I am he's not was he's not will be it's am And this is where we part company with that left brain I was talking about. You see, here it comes that those verses that I used to illustrate that the Father loves us the same as he loves the Son, and that love is inside of us, and Christ is inside of us. You're outside of the timeline, you see, because it says that you're crucified with Christ and your silly left brain says, but that was 2,000 years ago. How could that be now? Yeah, you got it. The the tenses of God are different. I I come to these promises and this gospel statement and, and we listen to. We listen for the promises of God. For a word that is for this moment. This moment, which has already passed since I said it. A specific word that fits me like a glove in this present moment. The dry. Ground of my life would receive the rain from the heart of God in this present moment. Listen, that's how this rain of God comes into us and soaks us and saturates us. Listen, I've told you, and I won't go into any detail at all except to say the word obedience in Scripture. Means to listen. And of course, I was raised to believe it meant to salute and say, Yes, sir, I'll do it. Where there's a big cry from listening listening to him who owns his words, listening to him who owns his love, and freely is giving to us. So, what can I do? I listen. He's already told me I can't do anything to be worthy to receive it, for he's already given to us. So I listen. Why do I listen to hear in the deepest recesses of my being what he is saying? To listen until my thoughts, which are not his thoughts, have been exposed for the empty things they are and replaced with the solid reality of his thoughts we listen listen until the word of god has opened our inner eyes penetrated our total person our deep spirit heart our mind and our thoughts and our emotions, and every cell, and I mean that literally every cell of our mortal body, getting into the synapses of our brain. The Word of God must put like rain. It's a, it's a, that's the illustration, for like, like rain to penetrate through. Do you remember the parable of the sower, which is similar? And he says the word of God like a seed, but it's the same thing because it says it came on the stones and it couldn't get through. And so they're shallow. Well, it's the same with rain where there's rocks and plenty of them. It can't get through and so it has a runoff. The word of God comes and there's stones on our surface. Whatever they are, we 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 hear with half an ear, and, and oh, it sounds good, and, and in that parable it says, they received the word with great joy. Oh, yeah. But as soon as the slightest opposition came, they said, oh, forget that. And then there was the other one, you remember, the weeds of distraction. The He gives a list which we're not talking about, just the di- distraction that... Well, I, I learn a lot from our dogs uh, and our middle dog uh he well i he is i think he, he's the poster child for distraction um he, he sets out to go somewhere do something and that was the reason he started out to walk and uh, we know it but but Uh, Well, not even half there. There, There's a smell in the air. There's some print on the ground that he can smell. And off he goes. Off he goes, wandering after some elusive squirrel that might have been there last night. And and halfway along that track, he gets another one. Off he goes. uh, Until the poor chap has forgotten why he started out in the first place. All the distractions. It says the deceitfulness of riches the desire, the pleasure of other things, the rain has got to penetrate. And just hearing it read in a church someday or read because your, your devotional said to read, no, I've got to listen and let that word penetrate deep into my deepest soul and my deepest body, which means into my deepest thoughts we listen. And as we listen, remember that what you're listening to has within itself the power to accomplish. That is his desire, to be successful in you, in doing what it was sent to do. Listen again and again and again. If there is one Dare I say the word secret? I hate that word because it's an open secret. But if there is anything that has fashioned my life and ministry, I'm telling you it right now, to listen. Some people have looked to me askance when when I published my last book on The Prodigal Son, and we said, you know, it took me 65 years to write it. (laughs) That's the simple, absolute truth. I have listened to what Jesus was saying, I have listened with the Holy Spirit explaining to me and listened and listened and listened and listened for 65 years to that set of parables in Luke 15. Uh, Until Nancy said, for goodness sake, write the book. It will never be finished. Well, she was right, because since I published the book... I kept listening, of course. And there's whole new vistas that have opened up to me. Listen. You are listening to the living, throbbing, divine energy of the Word of God that accomplishes its work and actually changes you and brings forth a new landscape within you. Just as you listen, because you can't do anything except receive and listen. Do you remember when, uh, uh, I think it's Deuteronomy 6, where where they they told the fathers to take their children and as they sit at the table, let the word of God be the subject. And as you take them outdoors and as you play with them, as you go to the stores, as you tuck them into bed at night, continually relate all of life to the word of God. That's it. You listen, and you listen, and you ask, Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Listen, and, and it, you, you try that. I mean, think about it, <laughs> that, that wherever the child was, the father was there to relate this all to the Word of God. That means the Word of God gets down into the subconscious, that vast area subcontinent within you that you don't know much anything about really Uh, but there it goes and from that subconscious sends back its shoots and its roots and its sprouts and becomes that new life that is described in the scripture Uh, um, and i could go on and on there but you you get the point we let the creative word of god rain upon us and rain upon us until it saturates saturates us um and it's now you see it's it's now that where i find myself the circumstances the challenges the opportunities the word of god is now the throbbing power, the very person of Jesus within me through the Spirit. See, if you if you read it like a Westerner or read it with your left brain, there, there's that separation. Do, do you get that? See, separation. That well he did it. And I mean, I was raised with this, and I know many of you were too. Yes, I was raised in a church which delighted to talk about what God did. But when it came to any comprehension of him doing anything today, they froze. And immediately threw it off into the future. And so... One then is raised with a mind, a religious separation. that God's up, he's back, he's ahead. But in this moment, I'm not sure about anything. I'm removed from him. I'm on the outside looking in. But these promises only speak in the now. Right at this moment, this is what he is doing. And, and, and it's, it's stating we're inside the promise. It's happening while I'm reading it. Do you get that? I, I'm connected to his word. And therefore, as I read the promise, I read it with the realization I'm inside of this. This is what God is doing now. It is now. It's written in the present tense. This is, strong but the rain that's now falling. This is what it's going to do. So is my word. that it, It's now. And yet we, we read it always. Even if we're going to say, well, it will happen this afternoon or something. No, it's, it's now. As I'm speaking of this, it's happening right now. The word is going forth, sent with a specific mission contained in the matter of which it speaks. And it goes forth with the limitless energy of God's accomplishing successfully what he sets out to do. So you see, I cannot talk about it. I can only talk from within it as I'm experiencing. Do do you get it? See, I, back to those, I, I cannot ultimately explain how God the Father loves me and loves you even as he loves Jesus the Son. I, I, I cannot explain how he says of Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And he looks at you and says, this is my beloved my beloved Jack, my beloved Mary, in whom I'm well pleased. I, I, I have to know that. I'm sitting inside it, and then I'm speaking within it. And I know, I know it is so. I'm See, it's not this banging around in my head. It, it's, I know so. It, it's gotten inside of me. I have sat, and I've listened, and I have read the Scripture, and I have heard the Spirit witness with my spirit. It is so. I am crucified with Christ. I am. See, But I don't go on the timeline trying to say, well, how did that happen? I don't know. That's what God did that before I woke up. And so... The word has been given and now urgently seeks his mission in us. So we move into a different kind of thinking. It's the same kind of thinking as we experience in imagination. You know, in imagination, you never know how you get there. In imagination, you're always there and it's happening. And your emotions join in. Do you follow me? So I come to verses like this, and and it's already done. I didn't have to climb the mountain, I found I was already there. And I read the scripture, I listen to the Spirit from the viewpoint of I'm already here. So you're crucified with Christ, you're risen with Christ, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay, is it? I mean, step into that as is. It's a fact. And my left brain says, stop, stop. Got to work this out. How can that possibly be? And I say, shut up. Let's dance with him as we is inside the Holy Trinity. It is so. We see ourselves as the Father says we are. As his thoughts have determined we are, we act in the light of that. It's in the now present. The word of experience, personal observation, defying abstract facts. We've got to have inside eyes opened, inside ears, and then we is so. It is. We don't stand outside looking in, believing that insiders are special people. Look, okay, how can I say this? Ezekiel talks in his prophecy of the river of life. I believe it's Ezekiel 47. And that river of life which comes out of the temple as a trickle but grows into a great river and wherever the river touches, their life springs forth. And he's in his prophecy reporting on that. But then he gets into the river. And then he walks in the river until he says, I, I, I can't touch the bottom, it's waters to swim in. Well, that's what I'm saying. Your your students, look, I'm speaking to some of you, you're in Bible school, you're in these theological seminaries. I'm I'm talking to you who will be the pastors of tomorrow. Look, You have been too long standing on the riverbank reporting on what water is. Jump in, for goodness sake, and swim in, God. And it's a matter of, is it? I mean, is, present tense. It is so. Then, is. Okay. (laughs) Here on a gloomy day, there comes through your window a, a ray of sunlight. And it's a so clearly defined sunlight. And it cuts through the gloom of your living room. Now, you can stand there and say, well, we've been waiting for many days for a bit of sunlight, haven't we? Or, or you can, as some might, describe what sunlight is and have a go at saying what's happening there. Or you could be as a little child, and Jesus said that's what we are, to enter the kingdom. And go and stand inside the beam of sun and stare right up into it and feel its warmth and enter into the summer of its being. That's what I'm talking about. Don't stand outside singing about him talking about the gospel, analyzing the gospel, debating the gospel. For goodness sake, man, get in the sunbeam. Let the sun write, he is risen. He, the son of righteousness, has risen with healing in his rays. And so we step into him. And I mean when I say step, it's the matter of an instant, a moment. Faith just says it is so. And we listen then from within the happening. We listen from within His embrace that He loves us as He loves the Son. We, we actually move around inside God, the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and understand what we could never explain, that I am in Him and He is in me. Yeah. Did that make any sense? We enter the world of is-so-now. Now I look out at all that is happening, but I'm looking at all that is happening with the is-so-now of God who is love, God my wisdom, God my strength, God my refuge, God my ability, God my all in all, and rejoice and give thanks, for it's all beyond my comprehension." And the giving of thanks is a vital part of this. Rejoice and give thanks for he who initiated this, who has given us such a salvation, who is now in the act of realizing it in us, rejoicing over you for who you are because of who he is. And that means he is rejoicing in every cell of your Body and every synapsis of your brain so that your whole body, thoughts, and actions flow with his word. Do you remember? Yes, it's in that chapter 15 of Luke where one of the continual statements through that passage is, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now, come on. We know the that the the woman there, the shepherd there, the father there, it's, it's it's Jesus' image of God triune God reaching to us. and he's talking of himself as being the one who has now come where we are and has grasped us sheep in his hands and carries us to the Father. And, and he says, and it's echoed with the Father, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. And in the final parable of the elder brother, in his rage, uh, this love that he sees, and the Father, or the word of God to us, the last is, it is necessary that we rejoice and be glad. Over your younger brother, the one that's returned. Now, just a minute. You listen for a hundred hours to that and begin to realize listen to it. Listen to it. Jesus is saying and saying to the Father and to all of heaven, rejoice with me. And rejoice is the most extreme word in the Bible for gladness, it's joy on steroids. Why rejoice with me? Why would God have limitless joy? He says, "I've found my sheep. Well, who's my sheep? You are. I am. And he says, "It is necessary. That's a bit another big word. it means absolute, a must. It's necessary that we rejoice over this one that has been found. Do you realize the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit they rejoice with a vibration that echoes through the universe of you because he found you in his cross and resurrection. It is the necessity of God to be glad and rejoice over you. You see, you can't think that. You can only is it? I'm in the middle. I'm in the. I'm the sheep. You see, I, I'm the coin in the hand. I'm the son in the embrace of the father. I'm part of it. I've been caught up in the rejoicing of God. I've listened until it saturated me, and I've become it. One last thing, because my time has already gone. Mark four twenty six. You can read it. Jesus said, the kingdom of God, like a man who casts seed upon the soil, goes to bed at night, gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He himself does not know how. The soil produces crops by itself. Did you hear that? Well, it's a parable of the seed, but it works just the same with the rain that makes the seed grow. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Let the seed of God enter into you. Listen to it and give thanks because it is so. It doesn't come as a command of something you've got to do. It is coming as the message, the announcement of what he's given to you. So listen and say thank you. Listen and rejoice that it is so. And it says you get up in the morning and you do your daily work and you go to bed at night and you get up in the morning and you don't know how that seed, that life is coming within you, but it is. And soon the harvest will be here. So there it is. My time has hopelessly gone. And so now may the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit embrace you. Fill your lives with light and life. Undergirded by his love, filled with his peace, that you might begin to walk in is so, wherein is the kingdom of God. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus Christ.